You're listening to Adam Air MD, GED, Underground Cartoon Therapy. That's right, motherfucker. The shadow does know. Hey, welcome back, guys. Welcome to the show, and uh, we want to welcome Chris Flash to the fucking show tonight. Long-time punk-ass motherfucker running an anarchist newspaper called The Shadow, throwing punk rock shows, book fairs, and all kinds of shit. I wanted him on six months ago, but we're going to discuss tonight as friends how that all went down and how we got him back. So stick around and let's do this motherfucker, okay? Holy fuck. What in the fuck? Ladies and gentlemen, before we start trailing the shadow this fucking guy. adventures, let me remind you that if you haven't yet replaced worn, smooth tires with new, safe, good rich silver towns, fucking do tires. it now. And the sooner, the safer. For remember, silver towns are the only tires that give you the skid protection of the lifesaver tread. <laughs> Skid protection. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to the show. This is an exciting one for me because this guy is a part of my <laughs> uh, adolescent punk rock fucking childhood, man. And it's an honor to have you on the show, Chris. Thank you for joining us tonight, man, finally. And, and, and uh, it was good to see you today earlier when I was hustling. That was fun. That was great. Great talk, man. And uh, who was the lady, the the pigeon lady? Um, Mother Pigeon. She's she's part of a theatrical group called the Trachtenberg family. T r a c h t e n b e r g. The Trachtenberg family. Yeah. Composed of herself and her husband and her daughter Rachel Trachtenberg, who is an, now has since become a model and a part time actress. And their specialty is projecting with uh, slides various images. Um, of found objects while they play music. It's kind of like a, I don't know, a little little obscure style, but it's really cool and interesting. So she's always been a performance person and an artist, and her specialty seems to be lately making these models of pigeons out of a, a cloth-like material that looks eerily exactly like a pigeon. It's amazing. And she'll display them in, in the park to sell them. And then she'll sprinkle breadcrumbs around them so real pigeons stop mingling around them to kind of give it a real pigeony atmosphere. So she's, hence her name, Mother Pigeon. Only in New York, man. You know, well, <laughs> I love New York, it. New, unique New York characters. I love them too. The unique New York characters like Jerry us. Jerry Lewis had a really great thing on a talk show, a real good tongue twister. Um, he was a funny fuck, man. You know, people just think of him as the goofy guy in the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis movies. That guy was a sick comedy genius. Well, one of the things was... was Finding a tongue twister, unique New York. Nobody can do that three or four times without fucking. Okay. <laughs> Special two was making prank phone calls. You can go on YouTube, just do Jerry Lewis prank phone calls. Oh my God! If you're not in stitches with tears rushing down your face, you're not human. It's the funniest shit. It's like fifty something years ago. It's a, it's hysterical. The guy was a nut, and he was so funny on the phone. I love it. There's a guy that calls him up and pretends to be a really good friend of Jerry Lewis. Of course, the guy doesn't know he's talking to Jerry Lewis. So Jerry Lewis pretends to be Jerry Lewis' secretary. And he keeps fucking up the guy's name, the guy's phone number, and keeps fucking up what the guy's saying, pretending to be writing it down. 
It's hysterical. Oh my god, so funny. I love it. I did. That's that's a great story, dude. Because you know Jerry Lewis keeps uh, slipping into the past, you know, and it's nice to he keep was that funny guy. Yeah, man. You know, there there was some funny shit. There was some funny shit. Always more to people there. than you may realize. You know, from what you see. I mean, there's also something else or more to them. He would go on like uh, talk shows, like the Steve Allen show, um, and even Mel Brooks would just like like gang up on a prank phone call or somebody. It's hysterical, and they're both nuts, and they're just having a ball. And these are grown men; they're not they're doing they're doing like teenage phone calls. It's so funny. Yeah, uh, you know what I created uh, in two thousand four. I don't know if I created it, but I, I came up with it, and I, I I thought you know I didn't see it anywhere, but I started doing collect prank phone calls. Oh my god, that's ballsy! And uh, what I would do is I'd make the collect prank phone call, and I'd be like, <laughs> I got the I do voiceovers, you know, and like. I call somewhere in Texas, like just like two one five, blah 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 blah, right? And then you know someone answers, and I'm like, "You got a collect call from cousin Tony? Will you accept charges?" And they're like, "Uh, okay." And so, "Hey, it's cousin Tony. I struck oil. Holy shit, you know?" And do this holy thing, and I keep them on for like an hour, and and you know, <laughs> wow. So they'd have to pay for it, you know, multiple ways. Oh my god, I'm a punishing cat like that, dude. <laughs> I was a teenager, and I made the. I was so evil. There used to be a TV show called Welcome Back, Carter, and and the, each show would start off with Gabe Kaplan doing some kind of comedy routine in front of his wife, who just listened. She'd be his foil to listen to his comedy routine, and he would talk about Prince Albert and a can, <laughs> and and, he, and you know that one. You know, you call a store, hey, do you have Prince Albert and a can? We let him out. He's suffocating. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he took it one step further. He would call a deli. And he said, do you have pig's feet? And the guy goes, yeah. So, so Kaplan says, where do you buy your shoes? So I'm a teenager. As soon as he said that, I start calling delis. Hey, do you have pig's feet? And the guy starts yelling like, yeah, I buy my shoes. I'm like, yeah, he was already wise to it. He must have received about a thousand phone calls from the time Kaplan said it and had been on the air to the time I made my crank call. He'd probably get hit, like, hit by like a dozen or two phone calls. And he was already wise to it. It was like so funny, man. <laughs> prank phone calls are good, you know, and if and out there in podcast land, now you can try collect prank phone calls, but I wouldn't do that it from... Ballsy. You, I never thought of that. Wow. I, I don't think anybody really, I've never, you know, even in the era of the jerky boys and all that shit, I never heard of... You, you can know. pretend to be an operator going, hello, I got a long tennis call from Alaska, and they'll, they'll probably accept it. You know, your mother's stranded on the highway and she needs help. You know, like, we'll answer, they'll say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would sit there and do all that kind of, But I try to do, like, more of a Hanna-Barbera voice, you know, at least, or <laughs> some kind of... You know, like uh, cousin Tony was definitely. I be, I do the one like, I just want to come home. I know, I know, I messed up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like uh, you got the wrong house. It's like, please don't do this to me. You know. You know, you're reminding me of something. I, when I was a teenager, among the many, many crank phone calls I made, I was a really bad boy. One of them was a collect <laughs> call, and I just used the name John because I figured everyone knows someone named John, mm-hmm. and like, the letter E is the most commonly used letter on the keyboard. And if you're doing ciphers or you know, decoding, E is the most common letter. And therefore, and along with that thinking, John is one of the most common names. And 99.9% of the time, they would accept the call because John, oh yeah, I know John. Like they wouldn't hear my voice, they would just hear the operator because I really, I called the actual operator and do it. And someone knows someone named John and they would take the fucking call. You just reminded me, wow, you just brought up repressed memory. <laughs> I'm good at doing that. <laughs> um... That's good. All right, well, 
it's a good icebreaker too, man. And uh, <laughs> well, it's good, clean fun, man. You know, yeah. You know, among other things that you do with a kid, it's not so bad. No, it just keep it punk, man. There you go. And that's you know, speaking of, I mean, you're this dude that has done so much shit, and I I wanted to give you the the floor for a minute to talk about you know um you and okay let's start with the book fair because you invited me out to that book fair well the book fair is like like a, a relatively new idea we've been doing shows in Tompkins like um other people are doing it before me way before me and around 2006 or so the torches passed to me because I guess they were they got burnt out and one of the main organizers got ill and passed away and so the torch got passed to me and it was either no shows in the park or take the torch and go with it. So the choice was kind of clear. So whereas we used to have, you know, because I used to help them you know, do like two or three shows a year, with friends of ours, we were able to expand that to about 12 shows a year in the park. Okay. Which is really like amazing. And then yeah. whereas the shows used to cost like $1,500 more to put on, we got the cost reduced, you know, by just like streamlining and really like doing the grassroots effort down to like 500 bucks per show which is pretty good. And one of the relatively new ideas I thought of like last year was give vendors a place, like local vendors and artisans and craftspeople and self-publishers and writers and stuff, a place to sell you know, their crafts, the things they've made, as well as, let's say they got a apartment full of books and videotapes, whatever junk they want to get rid of, and kind of just create a little fair, like a little book fair with arts and crafts. And we did it last September, and it was pretty good. It was pretty big. And I wanted to see if we can expand it to, like, every spring and every fall. So, like, maybe every May, let's say, and every September, let's say. So, yeah, when I saw what you were doing, I was really, like, I was surprised. I was like, wow, because your stuff was really good. Thank you. And, Thanks. And nearby was my friend Carla, No Police State Girl. And she's selling her, her Black Lives Matter, No Police State. Right, yeah, she was cool, man. And yeah. she makes herself. Yeah. So, you know, just you know, people we know and people that are, that are part of the scene and part of the community. I love that. Fabric. So it's, it's, it's support, you know, it's a way people can make some money, also get the stuff out to a larger group, have an open mic, a band can play, or just a solo performer can play on the open mic. So, like, not exactly a concert, but more like just a little open mic with some music while people have their tables set up. So we're going to do that again in, like, May, and that'll be the second time, and then again in September, which will be the third time. But, um... We are doing shows in Tompkins like all summer from like April through October, like we do every year. Last year we got pretty fucked up with the COVID psychosis. Yeah, I was gonna say, oh, that—that's what I was gonna ask you was, because you're so tightly knit with the community and you know many creators. Have you have you noticed, uh, uh, you know, like a progression in how many more artists have come out or creativity-wise since the virus started or What's that been like as far as your, what's your opinion on that? Well, a lot of people have had to try to find new venues by which to express their musical performances and spread them online. Um, not the same as being in person, obviously. Um, but on the plus side, like all during the summer, spring and summer of last year and fall, a lot of new people were coming into the park, a lot of young people from the neighborhood, and they're just musicians and they want to play, and they didn't know anything about getting permits from the park or permission. They just played, and, and, and audience members would show up, and there'd be a huge, you know, on many occasions, there'd be this huge presence in the park of young people playing instruments and music and new bands and new audiences 
all young kids, like from like late teens to early twenties, and it's so cool because normally I, didn't, I never saw them before. Now they're just like, fuck this COVID bullshit, fuck being afraid, fuck staying inside, fuck getting a permit. We're just gonna play it, and it's really gratifying to see this whole new energy, this whole new youth energy coming out and emerging in their park, which is Tom Square Park, the traditional spot for like people coming out and expressing themselves and not, you know, hiding or being afraid and. Part of it's people being pent up and frustrated and pissed off, having to sit inside for months and months, and then finally people have enough. And say, you know, coming outside, fuck that. Yeah. And so what I've seen is like more of the established people and others express themselves online because they can't be inside a venue anymore, which is which are closed by the city. But a great number in the public parks, and that's really cool. It's wonderful. I like that. That's that is cool. That is cool to hear, man. Uh, and that positivity. And this, this year's going to be even more of the same. It's going to be wonderful. Um, I cover my ass by getting permits from the Parks Department and the Police Department to make sure no one can shut us down. But to their credit, they just go ahead and do it. And, you know, bless their hearts, man, because that's really the anarchist spirit, you know? Yeah. I really, it really bugs the crap out of me that I have to kind of go through their system and pay for a permit to put on a show. Who the fuck? What are, what are you getting in exchange for giving the police money to be allowed to have amplified sound? What service am I receiving in return for that other than someone's official permission to do so? That's retarded. I'm not getting something in exchange for that money. No. I can see the park permit because they want 20 people competing for the same spot at once. There has to be some kind of order. I understand that. And that's a reasonable price. It's not that hard. But to, yeah. their, to, to their credit, a lot of young people are just going out there and playing. Saying, Fuck it. That. And they're making the park not just Tompkins, but all the city parks. It, it really has gone through these phases of punk over the years too, you know, and and the drugs and the crazy shit that used to be in there as opposed to now where it's like very sterilized almost, would you say, like compared to what old Tompkins was obviously. I mean there it's was largely a- been sanitized for the benefit of incoming money to transients. Gentrifying the neighborhood, and you know we saw that coming. Yeah, you know, there's still there's still some there's still a wild side to Tompkins Park, but yeah, like you said, it's it's largely largely subdued and it's been highly sanitized. And they reconfigured the park after they closed it in 1991, after yet another riot that the cops started in May of 1991. And you know they added more roadways and more lights, and they cut down trees, all to make the place more policeable. And that was what they stated. They said that themselves. You want to make it more policeable. And that was their word. So, but there's still a wild side. still got its energy. And, yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. We can't compete with real estate interests. You know, they've got the money. They've got the political clout. Ugh, it seems and like such can, a ball buster. I mean, it's so <laughs> totalitarian, you know. Uh, it is. And that's what's happening pretty much all over the country, especially in New York City, as an example, is happening all over the country. But they can, have their, they can have their buildings. They can have their real estate holdings. They can have their yuppies. But we still have the park. And we can still do our shows, and people can still gather, and you can still talk to your neighbors, the few that are left. And, you know, you can still organize politically, and you can still just talk about the issue of the day. And everyone has a good time seeing each other. Today, for example, oh, my God, the weather was so nice. And all, I saw so many friends, yeah. including you. It was really nice. It was a really, really nice surprise. That's cool, man. Yeah, man. But the whole day has been like that, just running into old friends and new friends and friends who know my other friends. Uh, maybe I didn't meet yet. It's, like, so cool. Like, everyone's just reconnecting. It's like... It's like the scene in Terminator 2 where the liquid metal robot 
is busted up into a million pieces after being frozen cryogenically by the by the by the nitrogen gas. Oh yeah, classic but scene. Then, yeah. But because he's in the steel mill and the little mercury particles start heating up, they all start coming back together. So now with all these little drops of mercury all just gravitating toward each other and and we're just, you know, making one gigantic pool, one gigantic puddle, because we're all connected. We're becoming reconnected as the weather gets warmer and people get back outside. And it's a wonderful feeling. The whole day was like that. I loved it. It was great, man. You know, um, it was like the first day, really, since I've been hanging out uh, back here that the weather broke and just became tolerable so people would stop, be able to stop and look, you know, at the art. Like I was saying, you know, it's, if it's too cold out, man, people are going to just, uh, you know, um, you know, have a tendency to walk by and not, they say, Hey, it looks cool. Okay. Bye. No one's going to, you know, right. 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 When, when the conditions are right, people actually want to socialize. That's more. it. Yeah. It's I think a, a lot of people are just fed up with being indoors all fucking winter. It, you can it's feel it too today in the, in the, the release of a lot of people just being like, yeah. damn, I've been cooped up for fucking eight months. I'm feeling that. You Okay. Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah, I was just making sure. <laughs> Got this guy dying over here. I'm going to have to call oh, the medic here. <laughs> well, the COVID scare really has contributed to a lot of people, like, either willingly or out of fear, staying indoors and isolating themselves for really no good fucking reason. And I think as the weather gets warmer, more and more and more people are going to be just expressing themselves in a way that runs counter to what the state media is telling them to do because they want to live like human beings not hide and be afraid of people you know you need human interaction in order to be a healthy human being and have a full life experience you can't do it on social media and you can't do it by sitting in front of a fucking TV with a beer you know you gotta get outside get fresh air sunshine move your body run into your meet new people re-meet your, your friends who have been hibernating all winter, you gotta, you gotta interact, man. If, if you're not interacting with other people, they're not really living, you know? And, and I think this whole COVID thing has really been a design to keep people isolated, afraid, and terrorized, and, and, and all for the benefit of social control and other things, and it's not good. So I think, really, as the weather gets warmer, more and more people, hopefully, are realizing that and defying, <clears throat> excuse me, defying uh, the edict issued by the two emperors, uh, Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo. They just, everything they're saying is contradictory and completely insane and against logic and common sense. Yeah. I mean, you want a couple of examples? My friend runs a cafe, so she says, if you stand up to order the food, you have to have a mask on. If you sit down to consume it, you can take the mask off. If you come into her place to use the bathroom, you don't have to put the mask on. And if you know somebody, you can sit next to them without a mask. But if you don't know them, you have to wear a mask. Mm. Now, how the fuck is a virus going to know the difference between those things? It doesn't. It really is a virus. <laughs> right? Am I correct? <laughs> and what's six feet to a fucking virus? Does a virus measure? Oh, shit. Adam is six feet, six feet and three inches away from me. I can't get him. Really? Mm. If you're standing downwind of somebody and they sneeze and they're 10 feet or more away from you, you're going to catch that fucking sneeze. Yeah. Six feet. It's retarded. They're telling us retarded things. And people are eating it up because they've been sufficiently terrorized into submission. Yep. And you can tell the ones that are because they're not out there. And the ones that were there uh, obviously, you know, are not six, you know, feet away from each other. You know, we're 
just back to where life is just, it's like, oh, well. That's kind of what I always knew about New York anyway. It was like, oh, well, shit happens. You know, like. (laughs) You're going to get, living, being being a soul encased in this human body that you've been gifted with, you know, you're going to get ill. Your body has a whole army inside of you to attack foreign invaders. Yeah. If you keep your body in good shape, it will successfully annihilate any invasion of any foreign body, whether it be a germ, a virus, whatever. The food you eat is a foreign invader. Your body attacks it. It breaks it down. It destroys it. And it says, oh, wait, I can use these vitamins. I can use these minerals. So it takes out what it needs, and the rest gets shitted out of you. Right. Your body is fucking the most ingenious device, the, the most ingenious thing ever imaginable. And... So you treat it right, and you can defeat any illness, and that includes COVID, pneumonia, the flu, the common cold, anything. And and what what they're calling COVID, if it really exists, is no more serious than people getting a flu. In fact, I know people who've had the flu, and they've been sicker for longer, a longer period. You know, a flu can knock you off for a couple of weeks. I knew two people who had COVID. How how long were you sick? Three days. How do you feel now? I feel great. So what the fuck is there to be afraid of? Yeah. You know, if someone eats 10,000 cheeseburgers a day and, and he drinks 20 liters of Coca-Cola for breakfast and they sit in front of a TV set smoking chain smoking cigarettes and drinking beer, yeah, I think you're going to have a fucking problem and, you, and your body gets invaded by a virus. But, I mean, people with a brain who take care of themselves and are good to their bodies you know, and, and, and honor the gift they've been given, you know, they're not going to be subject to, like, the worst outcome of the possibility of getting this COVID thing, if there is a COVID thing. So we're being told to accept things, edicts and decrees that make no sense, they're contrary to traditional methods by which you fight a virus. You know, all the protocols have been turned upside down. Yeah. So yeah. we're supposed to go along with it because they have to appear to be doing something regarding fighting the virus. They have to appear tough on communism. They have to be tough on drugs. They don't want to look like they're soft. They got to be doing something. Planned obsolescence is that? Would that be a well, correct like kind of term for it? Like same, same, same mindset. They have to appear to be doing something, even if it's totally ineffectual and irrelevant to the problem at hand. They, know, people. It's hard not to. Prevails, uh, man. You know, common sense has to be has to be deployed. You have to use your own fucking brain. What makes sense to you? Don't you, listen to what the fucking TV says. You know what? what your brain says. Uh, yeah. You know, when I, 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 exactly, dude. When I fucking, that's exactly what you just said. That's when I was like about a month into the virus. And I was like, you know, the comics aren't working right now, dude. I need something like, some. I want to like, you know, I've been getting stifled out, you know, here and there and. You know, by friends or just community doctors. Because they're afraid, Adam. Yeah. My best friends, my friends too. They've been terrorized, and they freak out when I talk to them about this. Mm-hmm. They're so fucking afraid. I'm like, there's not. You're more afraid of the fear of the virus than of the the, the, the fear is more damaging than the fucking virus. You're, you're exactly. The fear destroy you and your friendships. And you it know? does. It does too. It really we had a does. Discussion about this in the park, and, and you should include this in the podcast. Everyone who defriends you or or let's say cuts you off over the issue of COVID, whether it's real or not real, whether you should do this or that, with the best way to, 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 to um, approach or to respond or to what measures you take. If they disagree with you to the extent that they want to cut you off and now they don't want to be your friend any longer, 
were they ever your friend in the first place? Were they ever really your friend in the first place? Specifically over that, too, uh, yeah. is a very uh, petty, you know, in the long run. Um, because so if in the absence of a virus, or an alleged pandemic. Yeah, because you're going to line up everybody yeah, in New York. You're going to line up everybody in New York. You're going to ask them about COVID, and every motherfucker is going to say a different thing. Right. And it, so what? Then does that mean none of us are friends anymore, you know? Well, here's the question Do you want the guy who's a fair weather friend when there's no virus, there's no threat, everything's fine, everything's sunny and beautiful, and breezy? Hey, Adam, what's up, dude? Yeah, man, let's hang out, man. Then, then something like the virus, this, a virus scare occurs. Hey, Adam, you're not wearing a mask? Fuck you, man. I want nothing to do with you. What? You think it's not real? Hey, man, you're crazy. I don't want to be anything to do with And then, well, when shit really comes down, when heavy shit comes down, and there's real issues to be confronted, whether it's protesting against an illegal, yet another illegal war by the U.S., or some kind of new law that's passed, repressive legislation, when something really heavy goes down, and you, and you really need those friends to have your back, and you find out later that they were just fair-weather friends, then they weren't your friends at all. If they're going to cut you off because they can't accept that you have a difference of opinion, then they're not really your friends after all. And them cutting you off is a blessing in disguise. Who yep. the fuck wants fair-weather friends? I want real friends who got my back, and I got their back, and you're both on the same page, and, and, and you respect each other's opinion if you disagree about something. But who wants fair-weather friends? So when people cut you off, they weren't your friends to begin with. They weren't really your friends. And that's actually good to find out. So in a way, this little virus scare is a blessing in disguise. I'd rather know who my friends are than make believe and make myself feel good. Oh, I got a lot of friends. Well, maybe you don't really have friends. Maybe if, I mean, you have friends, but maybe some of those people are not really friends, and you find out when something like this happens. So I think it's a blessing in disguise for that reason. It is such an extreme event to have happened, too. Uh, you know, I wasn't around 100 years ago when the last kind of epidemic that happened, you know, like this, of this proportion, it, you know, pandemic had, had was here. You know, I, I didn't, you know, this is the first time I've uh, seen it. But, you know, what I've noticed is I was, like, really glad that I was uh, already into punk rock. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly, dude. So my friends, you know, they're as safe, you know, because they are all, you know, I only hang out with punks and punk-minded, really. And uh, that's all I got around me if I can help it. But, you know, I... I don't, you know, t I tolerate less bullshit as days go by. I don't know if it's like age, experience, you know, you've been hustling forever and the combination of all this shit and you're just like, hey, pff, I got well, the... As you get older, yeah. you, you have less time for bullshit. I mean, time becomes even more precious as you get older and you realize, wow, I tolerated all these fucking people, these certain kind of people in my life and they were just like weighing me down and as yeah. time goes on, you say, you know what? I don't need that. I don't need to have someone that's going to weigh me down, man. Just you need positive people and overthinking people in your life, and otherwise your 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 progress is with is stymied. It's withheld. It's held back. Well, it's just like yeah, it's just where it could have stayed in so many positions that we hit along the way. Specifically, living in the kind of culture that you and I are in, and have created through DIY and bands and music and art and this kind of like just total culture, you know, that, you know, has gone on for a while. And it's nice to see that you are there to uh, keep it charged, man. And, uh, you know, despite all the fucking, you know, just all the bullshit New York fucking throws up 
on your ass. On, in, right on. Well, like that. I was saying before, you and I are like just tiles in a huge mosaic, and each one of us <clears throat> make is uh, we're just, we're each one of us is part of the picture. Mm-hmm. Each one of us is part of the of the of the huge. I remember the mosaic guy. Oh, Jim, Jim Powers. Yeah. That's great. You talking about Jim Powers with the on the lamppost? Yeah. Fucking amazing guy. He's still doing it. And <clears throat> Is he? That's what I was wondering. I, I didn't know if it was a Mandela effect, you know, that he passed away. I don't know, you know. Well, he's he's not in the he's not the best of health, but he's still alive and he has trouble walking. I mean he had an injury, I don't know if it came from being in Vietnam because he's a Vietnam vet actually. Um he is now with a wheelchair, but he can sort of crawl. That's really he's so dedicated to continually putting up mosaic mosaic uh, arrays on walls and poles and places. I remember just zoning out, you know, on a bench and watching him work, man, in the park, you know, or just working on some random, you know, uh, piece, you know, that just he, he has graced everywhere around her. This is what's really cool. He gets a lot of young people. And he's he's showing them how he does it, and oh, more than cool. once I've seen him with like 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 um, I don't know, you can't call them students, but in a way they are students because they're learning how to do it. Um, Apprentices. Not, yeah, that's a good word. That's the right word. Apprentice. Yeah. And and it's wonderful because you know after he passes on, I hope somebody keeps it going. The important thing is that you got to have new energy every year to keep things going. You know, the same old farts can't have a lock on things. It has to. You need new blood to keep the body healthy and alive. Oh, man. So more people that, let's say, will take up his mosaicing, if that's a word, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool, man. And, and it's not a dying art, but it's, it's cool to like, kind of like do it with him and then, you know, God forbid he passes on, then then keep it going. And Yeah, I mean, that's how it keeps going, you know, because we just aren't around forever, man. And life expectancy at this point has decreased because of this. You know, said well, like virus, the right? shows in the park, like, like the, the torch was passed to me. Now I want to be able, like, at some point, not too long from now, be able to pass the torch on to somebody else that will, hopefully, in in in, in a very efficient way, keep the shows going. Because, yeah. I mean, what the most amazing thing to me is all these bands. The new ones are amazing, and the old timers, man, they've been doing this for thirty fucking years since the eighties, and they're in their fifties and their sixties, and they're just as good as they were then. In fact, if not better. And yeah. It's just magical, man. It's just so cool that everyone's yeah, still is. playing and they want to play. And there's all this energy. And the audiences are not a bunch of people in their fifties and sixties. The audience is like in their teens and twenties. It's just this cool, you know, content- continuity of like punk culture. It's really wonderful to see it. Um, you know, Drew Stone, I don't know Drew Stone, but he's doing um a series of hardcore shows at A seven on Seventh Street and Avenue A. Oh, okay. It's not currently it's known as Niagara, but in the back it's the original A seven club from the eighties. And with the help from uh, Jesse Mallon from the Generation, the band Generation, yeah, who's like one of the people that operates Niagara, he's able to put on you know original hardcore A7 shows in the back, and of course because during the COVID psychosis he couldn't do it last year, but he's trying to resurrect that. He's going to do a show in the park this year on May um, May goodness, May 8th, I think it is. So like like people like him are keeping it going. It's, it's wonderful that it keeps going, you know, keeps alive. That's amazing, dude. It, you know, because we need that resurgence. You know, somehow uh, 
the more robotic and AI shit gets around you, you know, including the way people react, you know, it's like system shutdown. You like you said, you know, if they don't agree with you, if they were ever your friend, it was more like it just seems like this AI infectant, you know. Well, the thing is, no one's going to always agree 100%. Yeah. The best of friends are going to argue, but still respect each other enough to still remain friends. I blame it on social media. <laughs> well, social media is a bunch of chicken shit to a keyboard warrior. like, fuck you, man. Oh, really? That's really, would you say that to my face without getting a fucking fist in your face? That's no. it. Yeah, exactly. That keyboard, That's how I feel, too. It's like a bar fight. You're really tough on the keyboard, asshole. Bar and, fight, and, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like bullshit. It's like, it's like punk shit. You know, like, like, come on, man. And, and and there's no need for that. Actually, two people can disagree and respect each other's differences. I mean, there are people who bring up valid points that I haven't thought of, and I go, yeah, you know, I may not agree with you 100%, but I understand where you're coming from, and I respect the way you feel and how you're reacting to it this way. I'm supposed to react to the scare this way and not be afraid. I refuse to be afraid, but I, I respect that you're afraid of concern. Yeah. I mean, they're of the ridiculous opinion that they can get people sick even though they have no symptoms themselves, which is bullshit. How do you pass an STD or VD or herpes onto somebody unless you have the symptoms yourself? Well, you could be asymptomatic. Really? You've just changed the entire face of physics. <laughs> Medical science has now been turned up upside down. So you can get people sick without symptoms. Really? That's Since awesome. When? Since wow, that's a whole new thing. Wow. How'd and, you do that? <laughs> and people eat it up. The media just, just puts it in your head. People absorb it. And then they regurgitate it to you. You know, Adam, people can hurt. People can pass on the virus without having any symptoms themselves. Really, says Adam, where'd you get that from? Well, I heard on TV. Oh, so it must be true. I mean, it's off the wall shit. And if you disagree, oh, Adam, you're fucking crazy, man. You know what you're talking about? You, you can't deny science. And, and, and all these phrases that come from the mainstream media, you know, um, hotspot, spike. Yeah. Denying science. They're all phrases, they're all buzzwords coming out of the media. I never hear people. When do you hear a friend of yours saying something like a spike or a hot spot? I, none of my friends talk that way. And then if the media says it, they absorb it and they regurgitate it. And they think they're fucking experts now. It's all upside down, man. But I can respect people are afraid, and that's why, you know, they're passing it on and they're absorbing it and defending the official narrative. I understand that. But you can do it respectfully, you know? You don't have to insult each other or defriend each other. I wanted to ask you, uh, what do you think about these high-powered conspiracies? Like, do you you follow any of those? Like, a lot of them. Well, the fact is, there are conspiracies, and if you if you recognize a pattern, and therefore determine that there is a conspiracy, and rightfully so, you determine that that doesn't make you the nut. You know, you've seen what they're doing. They are the ones doing it. You're the one observing and perhaps hopefully exposing and spreading the word about it. That doesn't make you the fucking conspiracy nut. They're the conspirators. Yeah. What, what, what specific conspiracy might you have in mind if you're Well, to one? uh, the ones that I'm into right now, the heaviest one is the one with uh, children. And tonight I was watching on the news um, about the, uh, the migrant children being held, you know, oh. without uh, anyone claiming them and how they're being treated, and you know, just that cocky red-haired bitch, all like, "That's not our division. We don't need to answer that." And da da da. It's like, bitch. You know, they've been taking kids <laughs> under Obama. They've been taking kids way before Trump, and they're just trying to like slam Trump. And I'm not a Trump quote Trump's a border. I don't like any of them. I'm a fucking anarchist. I hate every single fucking president. The only one I might give a little slack to would have been JFK because though he came out as a fucking war hawk, you know, he was really going to turn it around, 
I believe he got dosed on LSD and saw the light. He was going to change things, starting with his second term in the beginning of 64. Of course, they prevent that, prevented that from happening. I believe Robert Kennedy would have made a difference. He was a piece of shit, came from a bad family. But he was going to turn things around as of 68. And, of course, they weren't going to let that happen. But aside from those two, I mean, every single fucking president comes from a corrupt cesspool. And they're all working for the same masters. So I hate them all. That being said, Trump didn't start the thing with the fucking kids. It started with Obama and fucking Biden. And, yeah, isn't it very convenient that all these kids are totally unaccounted for? They just disappeared. Well, they're counting like, okay, here's my problem, is like why all of us aren't wild in the streets looking for these kids. Because, look, it's 800,000 kids a a year. That's it's a, not your kid. It's not my kid. And and there's a racial component to this. Ah, oh, it's a bunch of fucking uh, kids. They shouldn't have came in the first place. You know, the media feeds you that sick shit in your head. Well, uh, if they didn't try to get into the U.S. illegally, that wouldn't have happened to them. Okay, so instead of turning them back, so to the fucking, home, uh, you're just gonna like accept that they should just disappear into some netherworld somewhere. <laughs> I really believe the, in my heart, oh my and God. I have no fucking proof. I believe there. I have no proof. I'm just going by my own intuition. So I'm not stating this as a, a definite conspiracy, but in my gut, and your gut shows you're not wrong. In my gut, I believe there is a sick cabal of psychopaths who sexually abuse young children of all ages, male and female. And I don't want to even get too graphic here because it's really disgusting. To I know. But you can use your imagination. And what better <sighs> source of fresh meat than young Mexican children stolen from their parents at the border. It's, you don't take their names. You don't reconnect them with their parents. They're gone. They stole their fucking kids. That is beyond sick. And you know they disappeared into all these little... You know the, there's certain elites that really get off on on doing horrible things to young children. And it's really... And sick. it comes down to this specific desensitization that's, that's just placed on everyone's ass. You well, know... They're Mexican, so who gives a fuck? I mean, I'm being, I'm being rhetorical here. They're Mexican. They shouldn't have been in the first place. They came here illegally. This wouldn't happen. You know, they, they play it like that. So let's, let's just go back to eating our Cheerios and watching fucking cartoons on Saturday mornings and forget that this is this horrible thing's happening. They don't care. How, how do, how, you know, it's just... That's why they're getting away with it. It goes down this rabbit hole, man, and I know that you've been writing about the this ground... I would call it more ground-level... This kind of like straight up anarchist reputes against you know the bullshit that's been happening, but then when you look at this like these big you know conspiracy or you know things you know like I'm one of these guys who believes that you know we're under alien invasion, you know. Well, there's a theory. There is a school of thought. I mean, if you wonder why humans have adopted nuclear energy, which results in toxic waste that stays toxic forever over non-polluting, non-radioactive energy sources with no toxic waste. Um, One school of thought is that aliens have taken over and they're not affected by radiation the way we are. And I know that that's kind of an extreme view. I don't know. I mean, there is another school of thought that we are the aliens. Now, we are descended from aliens that, that this planet has been seeded by infinite numbers of alien cultures. I do believe that, too. Yes, and I do. We are a hybrid race of animals and, and or um, multiple alien races that have crossbred. Yep. And, and we are the result of that. You can tell, too, man. It's like, 
when I, uh, you know, I, you know David Icke. You know who that is? I've heard of him, yeah. He's this guy that, you know, was originally a rugby announcer. You guys can go wiki him or whatever. And, and he was like the sports announcer guy who went on a talk show. And when he, came, when he got on there, he was like, I think I'm like a prophet or second coming of Jesus or whatever. And he got laughed off the show. And a year later, he called the guy back and was like, I want to apologize. He's like, yeah, that's fair. Come on back, man, you know. And so when he got on there, this time he started talking about shapeshifters and all this shit, dude. And that's what started this, you know, the alpha draconian uh, kind of uh, acknowledgement um, that there would be this race called the alpha draconians that were on the planet um, and have been here, you know, for like a long ass time. Way before we were actually, you know, hypothetically, you know, created as as it were, you know, because until it's a realization that, you know, we were that thing, then it's just ancient aliens on TV with its post hypnotic suggestion, you know. It's just a TV I think show. It's possible. I'm 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 more like like into what I see like right before me, but I totally don't deny the possibility of anything. I think anything and everything is possible. Um, I just like there's there's just a thought about people like David Icke and Alex Jones and certain people. They there's certain methods that the rulers employ when they want to say control public thought or or spread disinformation. One clever method is you get a guy that appears to be outside of the system, extremely outspoken against the system. He comes up with some really heavy first class intel that the mainstream media won't report. And it all turns out to be fucking true. And then he develops a following and a lot of credibility. And then he starts putting in weird things in there. And you start to follow the weird stuff because, well, he's right about everything else. And then, you know, they develop a following. Now, I'm not saying specifically that Ike or Jones are guilty of it. But I believe that they have people who are given real shit to reveal and expose. And then they are in a perfect position to spread this information because they've already built up their credibility. Now, mm-hmm. I like what David Icke says. I've heard a lot of his stuff. But the problem is when you start talking about lizard people, <laughs> and then you start talking, start making anti-Semitic remarks. I'm not Jewish. And personally, if the guy's anti-Semitic, that's his business, and I don't really care. Is he? But, I never heard. I never I put that association with him. I, that don't, he... I don't know that he is. I'm just. I'm hearing from people who are Jewish, they think he is. Hmm. That's, that's the, their perception. That's interesting. But, but what I'm saying is, when you start talking about lizard people and you start quoting passages from the Bible and then you appear to be anti-Semitic, then you just, all that valuable, good information you've been putting out becomes disregarded. Oh, the guy's a fucking nut. He's a crackpot. I'm not gonna, <laughs> everything he said is wrong. And that's another method. But give that real information by a guy who appears to be a lunatic right. disregard the truth because the lunatic said it or the perceived lunatic said it. They got a whole playbook of methods they use. I mean, I'm th- I think I'm publishing a book on method called Methods of Disinformation, and it basically just, I, I mean, I won't, I won't know all their methods, but I'm going to, like, like, enumerate as many of them as, as we can, me and, uh, and my cluster of reporters can put together. But one method is, like, for example, Alex Jones. Yeah. I like Alex Jones. Everyone's like, oh, he's nuts, he's a Trump supporter. Okay, he's got this raspy voice, he's really, kind of, he can be obnoxious. He exposed that the London bombings in the London subway was done on the very same day as a readiness exercise. What was the premise of the readiness exercise? 
a bombing of the London subway. Hmm. Really? Just like the World Trade Center had like six or seven or eight to ten exercises on the same day as the World Trade Center bombing, what was the premise of that? The World Trade Center, World Trade Center gets by an airplane. The same exact scenario, which becomes real life. And he interviewed these British activists who revealed that. Yeah. And guess who oversaw the operation in, in London? Who is it? Giuliani and Associates. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> this is valuable information that our media is not going to report. So he builds up a following, builds up a lot of credibility. And then when Trump gets in, he starts talking a lot of crazy shit. And people say, oh, he's nuts, he's nuts. I mean, I don't know. You see, like, if you're going to give out really good information, you've got to keep all this, this stuff out. You've got to keep all this biblical stuff out. You've got to keep out references to lizard people. You know, because maybe there, maybe there are those people and maybe they're not those people. But yeah. if you want people to understand and accept this valuable information you're putting out, you lose credibility when you start sounding like a nut. Now, if you're the rulers and masters of propaganda and you want people to disregard the truth, then right. you put out some truth, let them build up some credibility, then let them start talking some crazy shit. Then they're going to disregard. Your listeners will disregard all of the truth you revealed. That's a good method. Very clever. It is. I like that. It can be argued that Ike and Jones have done that, whether intentional or not. Hmm. I don't know. I happen to like what Ike says most of what he says. He's very articulate. He has good information. And so does Jones. So I try to filter what's the good stuff and what's the off-the-wall wackadoodle stuff. Yeah. But then I have to ask myself, why are they presenting the wackadoodle stuff? You're only alienating your listeners who don't want to hear your biblical shit. They want to know about the current conspiracy, who's doing it, names, dates, places, methods, and, and the truth. And if you start throwing Bible stuff out there, people are just going to say, oh, no, forget, oh, he's crazy. Then you lose them. Yeah. So what's the point of doing that? You confuse or dilute the truth you've been putting There's out. There's a lot of truth in that, too, man, spiritually, too, man, you know, actually. Because, you know, when you're, if you are, like, motivated by spirit, regardless of any kind of connotation, you know, label you want to put on it or what you're following, there's many, you know, things like that. There's many many spiritual cats that are motivated into like, you know, going into punk, I noticed like, you know, it's just ran by spirit, you know, it's like this spirit, you know, that's just, mo that keeps the shit animated. So really it's in the action. It's not in the talking about it in that sense, like you're saying, and I, I, I agree with that, you know, like. Exactly. My point is, is that, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're into your own personal religious belief, that's totally to be respected. Whether it it's agrees with somebody or doesn't, and yours is totally off the wall. Whatever your particular belief is, pure and beautiful, wonderful, because it's your belief, it has to be respected. But people have to understand that the majority of, well, all of organized religion is a state-sponsored thing to keep people under control. And they control you um, by way of channeling your anxiety, your fears, your superstition, uh, your insecurities, your, your, you know, your, 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 your sense of inadequacy, whatever psychological thing you have that you need religion to strengthen. State-sponsored, organized religion is there for that purpose, as well as to keep your personal behavior under control. Um, so when you start quoting like, those groups as the groups to look to for some kind of spiritual guidance, that's where you lose your listeners, man, because they they have been put in place by the fucking rulers to keep people under control. I mean, that's the way I see it. And and 
if you're talking about like, like the punk spirit, yeah, that's a whole nother kind of spirit. <laughs> it's a wonderful energy. And thank goodness people have realized or seen the mainstream for what it is, whether it's mainstream media, whether it's mainstream politics, mainstream religion. The, D, the DIY crowd, like you said, yeah. is what really keeps you going. And make your own art, make your own newspaper, make your own um, um, uh, music, make your own records. You know, have make your, your own, own podcast, podcast your own show. show. Yeah, your own so, podcast. Yeah. Fuck yeah, this is total democracy right here, man. Yep. You know, the genie's out of the bottle, and and people like you can just create their own little, co you know, cosmic radio station. people can listen to it. That's fucking magic. I love that. <laughs> but let's not lose sight of the fact that the spooks control and own the internet. So you, they decide you are a threat. If anything, their paradigm or their security, whatever. They can just flip the switch and you're off the you're off the internet. You're off, off the grid. Yeah. Now, if you're broadcasting or you're putting stuff online from your home computer, well, that's like making a phone call to the White House. And you make a phone call to the White House and make a threat to the president before the phone's even on the fucking hook back on the receiver. They're at your door. Mm -hmm. they, they can trace it right to your location. So it's not a totally free thing. It's pretty fucking free. This is not a threat. Our conversation is not a threat to them. Man. But if you were able to influence thousands of people they hit the street by every one of your podcasts, they would have to do a threat assessment on you and then decide, well, well, first they would monitor you and then they would see how many people tuning into your podcast. They could trace them. It's pretty evil. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't yeah. let us have this internet that they created without some safeguards for them to track people, monitor people, and if necessary, shut people down or raid their homes. They have all those options in their you know, playbook. But... To a large extent, this is pretty much democratized democratized media, like people's media. So while it's available to you, yeah, thank goodness you're doing it, man. Thanks, man. I'm just, uh, you know, I had, you know, some examples when I was young, like you, um, and uh, a lot of other uh, outlets that were around at that time. That really inspired me, and just really a combination of those uh those spirits of uh, going against the the dude, you know, the fucking uh, the machine that wants to uh, embalm you in this, you know, dysentery, fucking disinformation, you know, and uh, kind of just keep you numb to the shit that's really happening. It's important, I think, to like, 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 like you're doing a podcast, and that's that's like independent media. We had to put our newspaper because the mainstream media. Like we, and we just saw how much fucking, how much the media distorted what happened, lied about what happened, and then other news items, they just, and we, we're being constantly lied to about every single fucking thing. And people really want to believe that there's this wonderful, beneficent government that's looking out for our interests, they make sure everything runs smoothly and functions well, and mm -hmm. they care about us, and they don't, man. Yep, and we all know it. you can produce tax revenue for them and keep them in power, they let you be. But once you upset that apple cart, or you change the paradigm, or you pose a threat to their established order, their status quo, you know, they got to deal with you. But on a local level, you know, if the mainstream media is lying, create your own media. If you don't like the record companies because you have to suck their ass to get a fucking, uh, to get airplay, then create your own, you know, internet radio station, or even a for real private radio station or cut your own records and music and put it out there. You know, you could totally bypass it. And, and like with my thing, The Shadow, you know, we had a bunch of friends who were like equally outraged over the bullshit that 
we witnessed by the mainstream media how they covered the riot because we were there, we saw what happened, and initially they were like they were sympathetic to us being attacked and beaten by hundreds of cops who invaded the Lower East Side from all different precincts around the city. Oh yeah, covering their badges, beating the crap out of anybody or anything that moved. There was no order to what they did, and then as the days went on and as the weeks went on, their coverage shifted to us being quote kids from Scarsdale who started, who provoked the riot. Like, mm. The most absurd shit. And we realized we have to create our own newspaper. It's time to resurrect the underground press as once existed on the Lower East Side back in the 60s and 70s. And back then, you had a lot of underground newspapers. I mean, you had the soft ones like the Village Voice, the East Village Other, something called Other Scenes. But then you had the hardcore motherfuckers called the Rat, R-A-T. Oh, yeah. And that was the radical of all the newspapers. Oh. So we decided wow. to create our own newspaper, and we model ourselves after the rat. There's also another really valuable group called the Up Against the Wall Motherfuckers. Hmm. Those guys were amazing. <laughs> there, there was a garbage strike on the Lower East Side, so all the garbage was piling up. But the funny thing they observed was that all the garbage uptown, like in the wealthier neighborhoods, was being removed. So these guys were such badasses, they would take <laughs> huge amounts of garbage and bring it uptown and dump it up there in the wealthy neighborhoods. They were like, they're making a statement. Well, you're not going to like help the poor neighborhood. You're only going to serve the rich neighborhood. So here, take our trash. <laughs> they would do all kinds of cool street actions, street guerrilla theater. But the shadow was more like investigative journalism to do for the Lower East Side what the mainstream media was failing to do. And so we just, you know, like, like you're doing this, we had to do that. We had to, we had to you know, create our own newspaper, our own media, because the mainstream media always fucking lies. They don't care about investigative reporting or in-depth coverage or really knowing what the truth is. They want to form public opinion. They want to propagandize people. They want to put stories, the majority of which alienate you from your neighbors. Look at any mainstream newspaper. The majority of stories are some kind of disaster, a murder, some kind of bad news. And a lot of it's like like also of a racial, like, like let's say... Black kid beats up old white woman. You know, you're going to see like all these kind of stories that just make you afraid to go outside, make you mistrust your neighbor, make you, you know, it, it, it foments fear and division and, and separation when people should be unified and, 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 and building on their commonality. And that's what we try to do with the shadow. We try to expose the real evildoers, the forces behind gentrification and, you know, names, dates, places, and methods, and encourage people to get together for street actions and or political movements. So hopefully we accomplish something. I think you have. I think you have, man. And that's amazing. That was that was cool. And you know, we're we're coming near the end of the hour. We got about five minutes left and uh you ever see the Joe Rogan uh, podcast? That guy goes on for three or four hours. I know he does, man. You know, amazing and and a wide variety of guests. He's not he's not of one political mindset. I'll give that guy credit. He puts all kinds of people on, so you get all kinds of points of view. And that's another thing. You should always expose yourself to multiple points of view, not just people you agree with or people you're down with. Because even if it's someone you hate, like you should read Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. You should read Das Kapital by Karl Marx. Like, get into the minds of people. What were they thinking? What motivated them? How did they get to where they were? What made them, what made them think or behave the way they did? And it's just a good, you know, good perspective. You should just hear and listen and feel what and, and get all points of view so you can come to a more educated
educated conclusion on your own. You know, it shouldn't always be everyone has to agree with each other. And I think it takes us back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, friends, you know, blowing you off or, or disconnecting from you because you don't agree with them. I mean, I don't know. I think it's healthy for you to have all points of view. But just also commenting on the fact that your show is two hours, which is great, but some are going even longer and longer and longer. Yep. I don't know how much, how much space you have, but... You know, I usually just do an hour because most of my audience is pretty baked, and then they're going to want to watch, like, fucking Mandalorian or some... <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, that's pretty much who I'm shooting at there, but... An hour's good. An hour's really good, actually. An hour's good, especially... I liked it. It's, all, it's concentrated. I get... It's all, I, like, I love the whole odd natural movement, and I've noticed that uh, the guests that I do get on, like you, um, it, it moves pretty well. My, you know, as far as the technical end, I'm working on it. You know, uh, I will get better equipment in time. I'm coming into the fifth season... Wow. And you made it into the, uh, this is episode 93, and I I started March 30th. So I'm a... a, one year, you've done almost 100. I'm going to, guys out there, (laughs) gang out there in Podzine land, I'm going for 100, and my uh, PTSD specialist and paranormal, uh, you know, investigator C2... um, who uh, well, is on the show with me. The whole other subject, I'm really heavily into that because without a fucking doubt, I have personally experienced a lot of paranormal shit. Dude, then I welcome you it's personally real. to come back to the show. And I mean, they're not just not just people who have passed away who come back to you, but people who pass away and they, and they tell you things that are going to happen before they happen, and then oh. they happen. Um, I have a whole theory about, like, like... I know it's running out of time, so we can't even get to that aspect of things. But no, it's, it's go ahead. It's real. It's not just hippy dippy bullshit. It's not you know Jesus loves you stuff. It's it's real. I think I really personally firmly believe, based on my experiences, that when certain people pass away, if they so desire to communicate with you in this new realm that they're in, they can. They linger for X amount of time before they move on to where they ultimately have to go, wherever that is, and and. So what's after this? I don't know. It's not a human experience any longer, but it's some kind of spiritual experience. Um, you just become um, um, one of the many infinite number of molecules that exist around us at all times. Are they standing right next to you and you can't see them because they exist at a, at a higher frequency level? Who the fuck knows? But it's real. And, and you can listen to Coast to Coast once in a while, which that show has become really boring, but once in a while they have really like cool paranormal uh, features where callers can share their experiences. Hey, uh, let me ask you real fast. Are you a Art Bell guy or a George Nori guy? Art Bell. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> George, George Nori was handed the torch by Art Bell. Initially, he maintained the Art Bell recipe, very smart, but little by little, he, taught, he kept fucking with the recipe. Now I call him George Boring. He, he, more than once, he sabotaged really amazing fucking callers or guests. This one guy's calling. He had... Okay, this gigantic fucking UFO passed over some city in Arizona. Yeah. About two years ago. That fucking thing was the size of a football field. Everyone said it. They called the fucking police station. They called the local air, uh, air, uh, airport where the military had a base. They're all reporting it. And the, the mayor goes, oh, no, they were just mistaken. Bullshit, motherfucker. They know what they fucking saw. Don't treat it like little children. Wow. And so one guy calls 
Joe's boring. Listen, George, I got some really important news about that thing we saw. And George goes, well, where do you work? Oh, I worked at the XYZ company. Oh, my grandfather used to work at a company by the same name back then. And then George Norris just shifts the conversation to a totally different direction. And hey, then, oh, I'm sorry, dude, but... I'm running out of time. Nope, it's right there. Chris, ah, thank you for being it. with us, man. Uh, this is final website. seconds. My website, shadowpress.net. Shadowpress.net. N-E-T. Shadowpress.net. We're building that website, and we're going to have it up and running even better in the weeks to come. All right, guys. Thank you, Chris. And Adam. later, man. All right. Sorry I had to end the show like that. But, you know, we're going to get Chris Flash back on the show. Do a little ghost talking. Chris Flash, man. Need more motherfuckers like him around, dude. And we covered so much fucking shit on the show tonight, dude. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, it does take a lot to formulate what you want to say, you know, and the right way to say it. And I thought that was, like, kind of the coolest part of the show, you know, when he's like, you know what, don't be talking about this, that, and I can do it on this show because this is my fucking show, but this is for people who want to tune into this shit anyway. But, you know, when you are in public, it is a different thing, right? When I'm in public, I can't be talking about the shit that I'm on talking about on the show freely. I got to be like, you know, able to show it, right? I love this fucking, this is the Blues Brothers version of the Peter Gunn theme. Pretty fucking awesome. It does remind me of motherfuckers like us who are on the beat, blowing the lid off shit. And you should, you should keep fucking saying it. You should. Chris Flash does. Member of the Lower East Side community. And he knows everybody pretty much down there, man. Tompkins Square Park, man. That motherfucker's got some history on that motherfucker. And it has been through all kinds of crazy-ass involvement. And it's cool to know that Chris Flash kind of used the park as a place to fucking birth the shadow and uh, you can go look up all kinds of stories about Tompkins Square Park riots and shit like that and what happened to the fucking squats back then and a number of other things too that fucking have eventually turned into some fucking government controlled bullshit too bad. Well, maybe they'll be the Oberus that fucking swallows her own tail in the time. But in the time being, the park belongs to the fucking people. And Chris Flash being the heralder with his fucking newspaper, The Shadow. Danny Hellman did a couple covers on that motherfucker, man. He's a great cartoonist, you should fucking know. Wouldn't mind getting him on here at some point. C2 is going to be fucking excited about the fucking ghost show. I know that for a fucking fact. 
Well, we're about to hit 100 episodes, guys. We're about six away, and I promise not to disappoint. <laughs> Keep tuned in to Adam Air MDGED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Oh, yeah. broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. Commencing at the siren, any and all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 continuous hours. Police, fire, and emergency medical services will be unavailable until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. when the purge concludes. Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be with you all. You've been listening to Adam RMD GD Underground Cartoon Therapy.